and it's Alana, and this is another installment of Black and Yellow, and today is a heavy topic. Yes, we are going to be talking about sexual harassment, mm-hmm. and is specifically how women that are Asian and black women deal with it. Yeah, so trigger warning, if sexual assault, sexual harassment, rape, if any of these topics are difficult for you to listen to, just a little trigger warning, it's going to be a, a heavier show than than normal. And the reason why we are doing this episode is obviously, I'm sure you guys have seen it all over the media, but uh, initially it was Harvey Weinstein that sort of was outed, mm-hmm. even though everyone knew, by his own company. Uh, and then more and more women kept speaking out and accusing him of sexual harassment. Right. So it started with Harvey Weinstein. It did. And then it just quickly snowballed to women were coming forward who said that they were sexually assaulted by Brett Ratner, who is a famous movie producer, Mark Halperin, who is an NBC news anchor and MSNBC political analyst, Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey. You've got John Besh, who is a celebrity chef, Roy Price, who is an Amazon Studios programming chief, Terry Richardson, the photographer who has always had really sexually explicit images and a really explicit aesthetic doesn't surprise right (laughs) me then right i don't know why he's coming as a big shock to so many people when especially when he wanted people to refer to him as uncle terry Um, goodness creepy rapey vibes anyone uh obviously yes kevin spacey louis ck i know the most one. Now, uh, well, I think now the most most recent is Mark Schwann, the screenwriter and creator of One Tree Hill. Oh, yeah, that's like okay. the most recent. So those are just a handful of the men that are being outed as sexual predators, sexual harassers, and then you've got like some recent developments of people that are maybe problematic faves, if sure. you will. Like Dustin Hoffman is in this category. Doesn't surprise me. Andy Dick is in this category. Ben Affleck is in this category. That doesn't surprise me. Jeremy Piven, Steven Seagal, Tom Sizemore, George Takai. Like these are. Oh yeah. Yeah, these are all recent developments. Yes, I heard about George Takai. And I think on a certain level, Jackie and I were like, we have to now, as actresses, as women, women, as as feminists with an intersectional lens on the world, we have to give our two cents about what is going on right now absolutely so we're going to use harvey as a springboard right more or less um just because he's had a flurry of accusers come forward i think it's like 90 plus in total something insane think about how long he's been in power and think about how long his career has lasted and that's a lot of women that he has met and seen and And has had the chance to do that forward right that's not everybody those are the women that are are speaking out yeah either because they have the resources and they're feeling galvanized to or they feel like there is some support happening so they want to to now share their story um but in all of this i started to feel i started to wonder two things what happened where are the asian women and where are the african-american women in in all of this how do we fare in terms of sexual assault uh not just within hollywood but but in our community as a whole I think when we were talking about this, I had first mentioned that 
we were looking at all the women that we were talking, discussing about all the women that did come forward about and um, about Harvey Weinstein. And we looked at that and we said, oh, hey, there's not many Asian mm-hmm. or black women. Nope. And you said something really interesting that maybe he doesn't like Asian or black women. Yeah. I that mean, just I, may not be his cup of tea. Or, I mean, could it be a little bit deeper than that? Could it be like maybe not that he doesn't like them, but maybe he's a little bit ashamed? That could be true. Yeah. I mean, like the only real woman of color, and I'm saying woman of color isn't a black woman that has come forward, is Lupita Nyong'o. And he right. has disputed her story. He mm-hmm. hasn't disputed everybody else's. But he is vehemently disputing hers. Yes. Which just leads me to believe maybe he doesn't, uh, maybe he's Feel a little bit embarrassed about that. being attracted to right. a black woman. And then I also thought about all the movies he's produced or the movies his company has produced and thought whether uh, the the women in those movies were they majority, how ethnic were those movies? Mm-hmm. What kinds of stories were he telling? Was he mostly telling white stories? Yeah. And... And then, therefore, who's the cast and who's he, who, who he would be attracted to and so on and so forth. So there's a lot that is part of that. But that still leads me to want to find out if and how many black and Asian women there are. Right. And when and if are they going to speak forward and how they're dealing with it. Yeah. And I mean, then in general, how women deal with this, uh, people uh, of color deal with this. Totally. I think that I think that was a really interesting point that you just made about the stories that the Weinstein company has produced. Um, a lot of the movies, I would say almost all of Quentin Tarantino's films have been produced Absolutely. by the Weinstein company. And I think short of Django Unchained, I think that was the most I guess Inglorious Bastards yeah, could be on there as like could a be. more Pulp ethnic fiction movie. A little bit. But is Pulp no. Fiction really an ethnic movie no, or does it just not. have Sam Jackson? I know that's, that's what I'm thinking yeah. about. <laughs> Two different things. Think about that one black man and that one white people movie. Exactly. All right, all right. Um, But no, I think that's a really fascinating point that you made because I don't really think of the Weinstein Company as producing uh, ethnic films that have put race and ethnicity on the forefront. And and then, yeah, and then if if maybe so, I feel like the most recent ones might be the most ethnic Mm -hmm. because of the way... Things are changing and how Hollywood is getting a little bit more not as whitewashed. Oh, so you're saying it's a smart move money wise to produce yes. films uh, featuring people of color. Right. Oh, interesting. In the more in the more recent and maybe in the last decade versus, you know, in the in the 90s, not as much or the early 2000s. I think you're right, though. I mean, yeah, as we've said a bunch of times on the show, if mm-hmm. white American c- can commodify people of color then all of a sudden people are safely ethnic and that's right. a good thing because yeah. we're all making money here, Exactly. Right? And everyone is, does look up to that celebrity-driven world, so mm-hmm. hey, why not? True. I guess when I was also looking at this list, I was struck because there were a couple of Asian female names that jumped out at me, but they didn't have faces attached. Mm. And I found myself going, well, why is that? If we're all banding together to, to take this dude down, yeah. why not show... Why not show our face? Right. Completely. Right. right. But then also having to stop and realize, mm, 
well, maybe not every woman that is jumping in to that is that is coming forward with their stories. Uh, maybe not everyone wants to take the motherfucker down. Maybe yeah. some people just want closure. Maybe some people just want to share right. their story, know that they're not alone and move on with their lives. Exactly. Maybe they've told a bunch of people already and they feel like they've healed and done it and moved on and it's in the past and they don't feel like going back and judging it all up. And right. I get it. I mean, to each its own. But that being said, that does make me wonder how how they how, when it, and if it happens all over the world for centuries now yeah. how asian women and black women have dealt with it right so i think that that's the question that we're going to be focusing on today are how do these two female demographics how do we deal with sexual assault mm-hmm. and i think it's very important to note that within the united states sexual assault is very much a white straight female driven narrative which is why you tend to in the media not hear a lot about women of color and their stories in sexual assault, mm-hmm. Asian women and their stories in sexual assault, Latino women, trans people, gay men. You don't really hear about those stories because again, they don't need they don't neatly fit into the white straight right. female box. Exactly. It's and too it's too different. Right, exactly. And people are going to get uncomfortable. But right. it's perfectly acceptable and perfectly normal for a white woman to come forward and talk about what happened to her people will take that but if someone else of anything that you just described of the of the above mm-hmm. it would be very uncomfortable right and i think also white women have more resources to come forward with their stories yeah they have I mean, more power we, yeah for sure i mean simply if we, put if we look at the the women that have come forward regarding harvey weinstein a lot of them are famous white women Mm -hmm. and I think it might have actually been Jane Fonda that said something akin to like we are now standing up and paying attention and essentially galvanizing ourselves into action because we see these horrific stories being told by these white female celebrities that we admire and have probably grown up with and respect and have and have watched all of their movies Mm -hmm. so we are we have an emotional attachment to them but that doesn't mean that the stories of Asian women, of Latino women, of African-American women don't exist. I agree. And that they shouldn't also be heard or at least get get some sort of attention, whether it doesn't have to be from the media, but from family, from friends. You know, they feel like they can go and express themselves. Right. And I also don't think that it's within our communities. I feel like we've spoken very candidly about how sexual assault is not necessarily always believed by family or close mm-hmm. friends absolutely you know i this is a side note but i had i was in my acting class on monday and i had um we were discussing this topic and a lot of the times traditionally back then parents wouldn't acknowledge it and parents wouldn't believe that that was something that oh. was happening and uh and they would almost not believe the child wow which then the child grows up and then if it's depending on your culture but in asian culture there's a lot of shame and guilt Mm. already built into the culture regardless of it being sexual harassment and then you combine that and i think it's just it's a recipe for disaster when you say there's a lot of shame and guilt is there shame and guilt put on by the family member or put upon the person themselves i think victim blaming i think it's both i think it's shame and guilt built into the culture already of you know dutiful daughter you 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 owe your parents you have to accomplish these duties or you're not uh 
up to par or mm. or a good daughter or whatever a good daughter and a good son means right and then if that is something that happens if they do become sexually harassed or raped or molested then i think those qualities only become magnified wow can you talk a little bit about, I was doing a little bit of research in terms of sexual harassment in Asian communities and was really struck to find out that Asian women by and large suffer through this in silence. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens most often in, in Asian communities. It happens generally about 60% of the time. Victims suffer in silence and generally the the perpetrator is known is known by the victim. Either it's a family member or really close family friends. How... How do you incite change if no one's talking about it? Yes, I think you know what I mean? that is I think that is the biggest point that you just made right there that no one talks about it. Yeah. Everything is hush hush, everything is swept under the rug, everything is okay, everything's perfect because imagine if someone else found out that this happened to my daughter. Hmm. I would lose face. Right. As a mother. And depending on where you are in the social ladder, whether you're lower class, higher class, middle class, the, it, it becomes even, you know, more specific on okay. how how they, they deal with that. But it is. It's everything is kept in the silence. No one talks about it. Because then if you do talk about it, you have to reveal, right? You have to Got reveal it. all that guilt and all that shame and all that darkness. And they, they don't want that. Got it. Okay, because it's a little bit different in, in, in the African-American How is it for culture. you? How, so what happens? If- so I think that, so by and large, I think that when it comes to sexual assault in the African-American community, a lot of it happens to us by someone in our community. Right. Meaning if I am a black woman, then it happens, then a perpetrator is more than likely going to be a black man. Uh-huh. So immediately right there, there are pressures of, you know, it's okay to say something, but don't tell the wrong people. Don't tell mm. law enforcement. Don't tell the authorities because you don't want to be that black person to put another black man in jail. That is oh. a super, that is almost because, nearly taboo. Because he is of your well, community? No, no, because our legal system is set up against black men. Okay, yeah. It's already set up against black men, um... Black men really cannot win in the eyes of the legal system. Mm-hmm. And it's almost taboo to be a part of that. Oh, I see Meaning what you're saying. It's more important to protect black Preserve. males mm-hmm. from the legal system, even if that means sacrificing ourselves and our protection in the balance. Oh, wow. Because it's more important for black men to succeed in this world with nothing undeterring them um, than it is for us black women to to perhaps be a reason that we are sending a black man to jail. Like, it's super taboo. You just don't do it. That is so interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's... And really sad. Totally. I mean, there there is this... I think within the African-American community, the strong black woman trope is very much alive and real. Yes. Where black women are thought to be strong and emotionally resilient and uh, emotionally stable. Uh And we're able to just sort of bounce back from any tragedy or any trauma. 
it doesn't really matter what happens because right. black women are, quote, so yes. strong. People accept, expect that of you. Right. Which may seem empowering. Like, oh, but we're, we're telling you that you're strong. But in these spaces where trauma and tragedy occurs, black women are not often afforded the, the safe place of just dealing with their feelings and healing. Mm. We're not often given that. Mm. We're basically told... This trauma happened to you. This awful tragedy happened right. to you. You're tough. Get okay. over it. Yeah, exactly. Like, you'll be fine. You're a strong yeah, black woman. Right. You'll, 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 you'll come through and you'll totally be fine. Right. We don't, ha- we don't have to worry about you. Right. Exactly. But if you roll on your fellow black brother and put him in jail. Oh, my gosh. Then essentially you are looked at as. A tra- like a traitor. Yeah. Exactly. Like you chose yourself over the the well-being of the African-American community. Wow. Because the race first rhetoric is something that also still is very prevalent in African-American yes, community. That's huge. You know, black first, gender second. Right. But really within our community, that means black men first, black women second. Right. Even if that means, you know having to you know go to thanksgiving and christmas events with that creepy uncle of yours who everyone knows is creepy but, but no hey, one he's a black man, right and so know. he's still allowed to come to the event right and like you know we can talk about that awful thing that he did amongst us you know <gasps> but let's just keep it amongst, amongst us, us. Because, again, we don't want to jeopardize yeah. a black man's trajectory right. and well-being in the world. Yeah. Um, so that's a tough one. That's mm. a tough one. And that you see that a lot within African-American communities. I think it's most depicted at um, historically black colleges and universities where mm. you do have a lot of black men and black women obviously going to school together, getting an education together. So when these things happen, it's almost like, Okay, well, who do you choose? Do you choose your womanhood, or do you choose the wow. well-being of the and, men in your and, race? And the and the fact that that even becomes something that you have to think about, right? Right. Of do I protect my 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 people, or mm-hmm. do I acknowledge the pain and the suffering that I'm going through right now? Well, right, exactly, and and it's no surprise to anyone that like there's a there's always been a huge disconnect between black people in law enforcement which also sort of plays into this thing of course well are black are law enforcement officials really going to believe you i mean we've sort of been conditioned to be our own cops Mm -hmm. we've self-conditioned ourselves Mm -hmm. to do that Mm -hmm. um because we know that law enforcement is not going to work for us as hard they're not going to work for us as diligently give us the same media attention nope sort of the same thing with asian people but i think that that the need to self-police is a lot less yes um, then you guys have more of an, of an awareness of how that affects your 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 interactions with them, right? Because of the color of your skin, right? Which exactly, it's ridiculous. Totally. But. Um. So yeah. So there's there's that as well. Where do you think Asian people stand and Asian communities stand in terms of helping people move on and heal from sexual assault? That's a little difficult because. When I think of, I have I have two things that go on in my brain. It's my my family. We're very multicultural, uh, multi race. There's a lot of different kinds of just. I'm I'm like a not I'm not I'm not a mutt, but I'm just saying I I come from a very very different, an orthodox, very uh, progressive mother, mm-hmm. who I think if anything ever happened to me would. I could go to her 100%. I wouldn't have a problem. I wouldn't be that typical 
Asian way in my household, which I'm very thankful for. But then I do think about certain friends that I have and then just people in not in this country, you know, China collectively or Taiwan or Japan, especially Mm -hmm. Japan, who they have a huge and Korea, huge suicidal and um, and uh, shame uh, uh, rates. Rates. Yes. That lead to abuse and death and suicide which that's a whole probably just a whole episode in itself yeah uh i don't i don't think it's very constructive i think if the daughter were to open up or the son whoever it may be that be that was sexually abused or harassed i don't know how constructive it would be i don't i don't i think a lot of it is it, it's also this like it's normal you know this is this is society this is life i don't unless the daughter came home and consistently told her mother this keeps happening mm-hmm. but i think the first couple times the mom would just say oh suck it up like this is life this is how this is how men are oh you know and if she has a very traditional husband then of course she's gonna teach her daughter to be submissive and to oh. be calm and to not make 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 uh, make noise don't stir anything up uh so it sounds like the model minority myth kind of plays into how asian women respond to sexual oh, assault absolutely yeah if you haven't listened to our our oh, we, episode yeah, we on, had a whole another episode on this yeah if you haven't listened to our episode of the model minority listen to that first from the, from the, <laughs> come from back this, listen to that and then come back so that this could yeah so that that statement makes sense and, to you and that the whole idea of it all is so intertwined in their consciousness that that sort of type of behavior of the polite submissive don't speak out obey bleeds through it it all and and if someone is sexually harassed, they probably wouldn't say anything. That's nuts because I wonder how that plays on your on on one's emotional life. Like that must wreak havoc on a young girl's emotional life mm-hmm. in a, in a way that I just can't. I've been there, so I know what it feels like. So to be able to not say anything and have to be quiet and be obedient, I don't know. Or to just take it, like to know that that's something that's normal blows my mind it makes me furious yeah to think that that that's something that's okay and i've slightly experienced it in in my life and i've i I feel like growing up i've seen something amongst my family where you know when you're a child even now and you you just feel it in your gut you feel it in your intuition where you're like something is off Off. yeah i don't know what it is but i feel it i feel it in my bones Mm -hmm. and i feel like i've had several of those feelings growing up on my dad's side and on my mom's side Mm -hmm. where i just i knew something was off and i didn't know what whether it was my uncle doing something to my aunt or saying something to my aunt that i was like oh this is not this is a violation of something right and and the feeling that i remember having was like why aren't they saying anything why is this okay why are they just okay with this happening i remember feeling that and thinking that yeah and so going back to that now as a woman i i get really angry Mm -hmm. and and i I understand how how violating that could be yeah and that they they should feel free and there's a freedom in letting their voices be heard Right. Right. It also sounds like Asian women, young and old, have a very similar, suffer a very similar fate in our Western American culture where we are constantly, systematically and societally undervalued. Oh, absolutely. We're not protected. 
and were undervalued constantly. Mm-hmm. Because correct me if I'm wrong, uh, most Asian cultures are patriarchal cultures, correct? Where the men are in charge. Uh, maybe not so much in charge, but in terms in terms of the hierarchy, like the social hierarchy, they're higher on the ladder than women are. Yes. For sure. For sure. It's definitely the same in African-American for culture. Sure. Yeah. And generally, let's say for sake of argument, a story like this were to break in either one of our communities, the Asian and African-American communities are going to rally behind the guy 100 percent and get the and support the man versus supporting the woman mm-hmm. just because of how society views, at least for African-American people, just because of how black men are viewed. The African-American community really galvanizes and supports black men in times of trauma and are, are more willing to throw black women under the bus or victim shame them or mm-hmm. victim blame them. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's about the same in Asian uh, culture? Yes, I think it's about the same in the Asian culture, especially because it comes down to also money. Mm, and that's a okay. big one because if they make money, if they make good money, if they're supporting the household, if right. they're, uh, yeah, if they make, it, it does, I think, also come down, especially in Asian culture. If you make good money, then hey, you can do that. And that goes right back to what Harvey Weinstein and all these oh, men, yeah. right? Money talks, right. definitely. And power. Sure. And if you have money, then you have power, then you can do whatever the fuck you want, apparently. 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 Up so, until 2017, where right. women are like, no. Hey, let's stop this. Yeah, for sure. So. I would like to say that there's something about the Harvey Weinstein situation that is really sort of irking me as a black woman. And that irk comes from the fact that I think in African-American culture, we are all too familiar with powerful men mm-hmm. essentially being protected and pardoned. Because before there was Harvey Weinstein and an onslaught of white victims coming forward in the black community, there was Bill Cosby. Yeah, and I have not. We have. I hope no one has forgotten about that. Well, because that was huge. But the African American community cannot figure out how we feel about Bill Cosby, and not just Bill Cosby. Oh no, no, no! Let us not also forget R. Kelly who oh, has yeah. been enduring consistently con- for two decades. Right. Still now, like recently still, with those girls. Still. And so I think the thing about Harvey Weinstein that kind of bothers me is that because he's so powerful and has made movies that we love, the outrage and the outcry mm. to take him down is so big. Is so big. But within the African American community, we've been getting this shit from R. Kelly for two decades and yeah. no one is galvanized yeah, to do anything. I see. And I yeah. think that as a feminist, as an intersectional feminist, you can't stand behind Harvey Weinstein and be like, yeah, take this motherfucker down and not have that same sentiment for Bill Cosby and not have that same mm-hmm. sentiment for R. Kelly. I, I agree. don't think that the two. I agree. Uh, you can't have one without. The no, other. no and I think way. That that's really where like my frustration with this whole Harvey Weinstein thing is coming from, where it's like, yeah, a famous white man used all of his white power and privilege, not white power like he's a white supremacist. Right. I mean, like power, <laughs> like the powers. It, that he has. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's, I just want to make that clear. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Um, but the fact that, like, you know, he's getting so much outcry, but we don't really get that same sort of support from the white community mm. when it comes to our oh, celebrities. Oh, okay. I you see. So you're, I mean? saying, you're saying that when the whole bill cosby thing happened because well to my knowledge i remember that being huge that was massive yes 
But now we no longer hear about it. Yeah, it's kind of just like, well, okay, move on. And I think a big part of that is because before the white community can sort of reach out and claim and do something about their predators, we have to do something about ours. Yeah. And we can't figure out, we meaning the African-American community, we can't figure out how we feel about Bill Cosby and about R. Kelly. Mm. Because, you know, in terms of Bill putting cup cosby you know yeah. he was dr huxtable he was so loved and he so was admired he was he was a great pillar in the african-american community so no one wants to believe that their their pillar of strength and success could be capable of doing something so disgusting yeah so dehumanizing right and and, and i think whereas white america really is like ill bill cosby i don't think white america really cares about r kelly because He's our problem, and I don't think that R. Kelly has the same reach in white America mm-hmm. that okay. Bill Cosby does. I see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the audience and the era and the times and the shows that he was on, he definitely touched not just the African-American community, but I'm sure everybody. 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 You know? Yeah, Everybody. For sure. I remember when that happened. I was a little bit younger, but I remember just being thinking, how? How? Mm-hmm. He is so lovable. He is so kind. He could be my grandpa. I want to I right. want him to be my grandpa. He was almost, he was safely ethnic. Yes. He was kind of colorless. And he was funny, you know, yeah. and, and 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 then when that all broke out, I was I remember racking my brain thinking, how, how, how? I think a lot of us did. Yeah. I think a ton of us did. And no, I think, especially being a a woman of color, no one wants to believe that something that heinous could happen to someone in... Their community. In in our community. But again, excuse me, there was that... um, But again, there's the whole, you don't send a black man to jail kind Mm -hmm. of a thing, where he Mm -hmm. had a lot of African-American females that he raped, molested, drugged, whatever whatever the... uh, whatever accusations you may be at him. Um, but again, there was that underlying pressure of, you don't want to be one of those people mm-hmm. subjecting black I'm men to the legal I'm system. I'm really curious how some of those black women felt outing him and whether, Ooh. you know, whether they, they second guessed a lot of it, whether they got forced by someone, whether they mm. were just, that might be an interesting one. Uh, that's just an interesting thing to think about, whether they were, like thinking, am I just do the right thing, or do they after once once confessing, mm-hmm. do they think ah like I outed someone from? Ooh, you know? I don't know. When I, I I would be interested to know the exact same thing. I didn't necessarily. Again, it's like so many people came out all at once, and I feel like I just got like an intense yeah Bill Cosby rape accusation right. hangover. It was, you know, what I mean? <laughs> but um. I think that black women have to toe a very difficult and precarious line when it comes to reporting their sexual assault. And I'm sure that these black women that came forward definitely felt that Mm -hmm. the uh, the sense that we are simultaneously treated as children, but we're also hypersexualized at the same time and fetishized and fetishized at the same time. Like black women cannot get a break. We are the hood rats. We are the Jezebels, the prostitutes, pro- all in one foul swoop. Yep. Um, and up against someone like Bill Cosby, who's got money to burn and a ton of legal people in his oh, corner. Man. I mean, I, I bet that that alone was enough to, to make women go, you know what? All right. Been fighting this yeah. Fight. Like, never mind. Yeah. Because I don't think that Cosby paid off as many people as Weinstein did, or at least we didn't hear about that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
So I don't know. I And I also, at the same time, I think that white America has definitely turned their back on Bill Cosby. Yeah. Where it's like, mm, sorry. You're done. He's not our problem. He's a black man. So he's your problem. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you, you definitely see this with R. Kelly, like in spades. R. Kelly for two decades has been accused of statutory rape again and again. Oh, my God. And again and again. Right. And yet it seems very commonplace. Like mm-hmm. no one seems to really be, be doing like, this is a big it. deal. Can we focus and f- fix it and figure out what's going on? Well, yeah. Like if we're giving Harvey Weinstein s- this much, much media attention, right. why not give a t- 20% of that right. to R. Kelly? And what's the difference between the women that are accusing Harvey Weinstein and the women that have accused or the girls who have accused R. Kelly really in truth? I understand that there is a difference, but also there isn't. Well, you know, because but I think it boils down to a race thing. And I think and, and there was a quote that R. Kelly, as I was doing my research, I came across a quote that I think encapsulates the answer to your question perfectly. R. Kelly himself said has gone on record and said the saddest fact I've learned is nobody matters less to society than young black women. And it wasn't young black women coming forward and telling their stories about Harvey Weinstein. It's young black women that if they have the courage to come out and speak out against someone like R. Kelly. But again, like no one's going to listen to them. Yeah. Like he's deciding to prey on a demographic of people that are, like I said earlier, systematically Mm -hmm. devalued. Mm-hmm. time and mm-hmm. time and time again and this was something I, I was doing a little bit of research too and I, I, I watched a brief video of them analyzing and breaking down Harvey Weinstein's contract with his own company oh yeah and somewhere along the lines in very discreet mm-hmm. English they allow him to molest mm-hmm. women and 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 that is okay because mm-hmm. the company wouldn't take fault on that or something crazy. And I went, yeah, some what? sort of weird legal jargon that essentially allows him to do this to, to do this for yeah. however long. Yeah, and the victims can't speak up about exactly. it. exactly, definitely, and they can't go against him. I do remember reading that. Yeah, and going, that's really disgusting. Yeah, but also like. You know, that's why you have people like read your contract and make right. sure nothing is fucking hinky up in there. You know what I mean? Right. Um, whereas I don't think R. Kelly is issuing contracts because no. he's preying on young, impressionable teenage girls. And they can't do anything about it. They're powerless. No. And I think also with I think one thing that Harvey and R. Kelly have in common is there's. They're salesmen of a dream that almost everyone wants. Mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein was selling the dream of movie stardom. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming R. Kelly is selling the dream of music stardom mm-hmm. from the, the stories that I have read about the, these women and his sex cults and yeah. these women in his harem. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and what they also have is the power to destroy those dreams and yeah. destroy that career. And I think that's where they get him. Yes. That's where they get him because they think, holy shit, this is my one chance. Mm -hmm. I've been dreaming about this my whole life. How can I not? Sure, I'll let him touch me. Sure, I'll have sex with him. Sure, we'll do this. But it's not worth it. Yeah, (laughs) well, I think that it makes you wonder what's the cost of a dream. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And, And in the end, getting it this way, how can that be something that you feel good about or proud of? You know, I think about all the women, all the women Harvey Weinstein all their careers that he's furthered mm-hmm. by putting them on the map because he liked them 
And I, yes, maybe their acting was okay. How many of them think, look back at that now or right after it happened and didn't feel justified or validated that that was something that they wanted because of the way it had happened? I see the question. That you know, Cara Delvine yeah. had a really good... Modeling career. Modeling career. But she also had a really good moment, I think she talks about, where he tells... She was in a hotel room with Harvey Weinstein and he tells her to kiss another woman and she felt really bad and then she got the movie because she had kissed something like that yeah. and later she felt really shitty because she had gotten the movie because maybe she had only done that because she kissed that other woman. That's so interesting because you know? I look at that list of Harvey Weinstein's accusers and I think... What great actresses' careers have essentially been shelved or canned because they didn't? Right. How many? How many? How many said, you know what I no, mean? I'm not going to go to your office slash right. hotel room. And then they never got on that feature film. Right. And they never got on this. And then maybe they just have stopped going out for auditions because of whatever reason. How yeah. many how, how many happened to that, too? And I think it was Ronan Farrow, Mia, Mia Farrow's son. son, that wrote something. I think he wrote an article for, I believe it was the New York times about how harvey used to essentially brag about the fact that he would call various um agents and call various i guess news outlets and say don't run stories on this actress don't cast this actress x y and z so that's all part of the power game that harvey weinstein had do you know what i mean yeah and i think if you are a young woman you know you fall prey to these things well, it's just it's almost too I don't easy. Know if it's a young or old thing as much as it is a again, like what's the cost of your dream? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? If 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 being an actress is all you've ever wanted to be your entire life and you are meeting this head honcho mm-hmm. big wig mm-hmm. movie exec right. that could either help make or, or break you in terms of your career, I mean, you kind of have to weigh that and weigh those options. Yeah. And I think that it's easy for us to say sitting here recording this podcast, Not having exactly. never experienced. But if, yeah, but put yourself in that position. What would you do? Mm. What would I, you I do? I will give you an answer by the end of this episode. Because okay. I would like to, to say like, oh, I'm so I'm such a woke feminist. And like, <laughs> you know, I would yeah. totally like fight him and be like, fuck you, whatever. But the reality <laughs> is like, mm, I wanted to be an actress since I was a child. Yeah. So. I can't necessarily say with full confidence like, oh, I would take the motherfucker down because if that's what I believe my if that's the ticket to my dream, Mm -hmm. I I can't say that I wouldn't necessarily just like withstand the burden and just quietly move on if it would get me to the next place that I want to be in my career. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. That's the one when all of this was blowing up and I've I've been acting since I was young and have always wanted to you know make movies and be in shows and that was that was immediately the first thing i thought was like what would i have done and i would have probably called my mama and been like this is happening Mm -hmm. what do i do Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't have the wisdom or the knowledge to know what to do so i would probably listen to whatever my mama said (laughs) i get you i think um having been a victim of sexual assault when i was very very young i probably would at least do something akin to Hey, mom. Hey, friend. Hey, boyfriend. If I had one at the time, like this is where I'm going to be. This is who I'm meeting. Oh, I see. Come with me or let me me know. Hotel bar, Mm -hmm. like something along those lines, just because after being sexually assaulted, I'm not ever willing to like put myself in an uncomfortable position with a man ever again. Yeah. But again, like a lot of that is coming from a place of like, I've been there. I don't want it to happen to me again. And I also know how 
this world treats African-American women, both young and old, especially right. when they report sexual assault. Right. And uh, that the answer to that question is they don't treat them favorably and they were systematically undervalued. And um, law enforcement is not going to galvanize and give stories to women no. of color or Asian women the mm -hmm. way that they are to white women. So right. we've got to. So I would then have to self-police myself. Right. I guess. And I think that is also an interesting note that we have to realize that even within, which is crazy, even within our own community, our own, you know, you take all the feminism, all the feminists, and then you break that down. Mm -hmm. And that even the white women within this category still get, yeah. you know, more time, more attention, more power because... Yeah, I mean, Status. it kind of reminds me a bit of second wave feminism, where when white women were fighting for the right to vote, um, when they realized that black men would potentially get the right to vote before they did, they decided to align themselves with white supremacists, mm. with people whose ideals they probably didn't necessarily agree, agree with. with. They probably didn't believe that white is right. But because these organizations had their interests uh, solely and, yeah exactly yeah. you sort of choose like well what well do i do i align with my people or do i align with my sisterhood right and i think in the way in the case of second wave feminism excuse me they aligned with their people their people and kept their uh their best interests as their as their motivator uh -huh. as opposed to what was best for the for the entire movement. yeah the entire community and one could also argue like perhaps that's what some of these white women are doing or did back in the day mm -hmm. um were white women stepping up and talking about harvey weinstein i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure there were yes but then how many people were listening to those women yes. and taking them seriously yes versus going okay yeah like i i hear you i know that happens right. to you but at the end of the day like i'm looking to be a star yeah i'm looking to take my career to the next yeah. level so well i hear that Right. Also, too, your experience. I and I'm think not, not letting that stop me. Exactly. I also think if it's some unknown actress who had two lines in this one, we'd be like, it's easy to squash her, mm. right? It's easy to squash that other one. It's easy to squash this one. Why don't I just give her thirty thousand dollars and she'll, it's you know, true. she'll hush hush. But if, if uh, Ashley Judd and Olivia Munn and oh. Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelina Jolie are coming out, oh right. no, that's a whole different story. Well. But even then, like when this happened to them, they were young. They were young. They were not. Well, I'm saying they Gwyneth were young Paltrow they was, but she wasn't the Gwyneth Paltrow that we know and love and, today. Right after marriage and kids and well, a right. career, and like she wasn't the Angelina Jolie that we knew and loved today. Yeah. So I think that the Harvey Weinstein case really goes to show that no matter who you are, you're always just going to be a piece of meat to someone, mm -hmm. be it male or female, mm -hmm. regardless of your your stature in life, regardless of your celebrity. Yeah, I agree. That's Do what it what comes I mean? down to. Um, I also think that African-American women in particular, we, we definitely live in a run till that kind of society which mm -hmm. is also something that i wonder if harvey weinstein knew and was like mm -mm. oh i see i, I ain't messing with, with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in because, the same exact thought well yeah because contrary to like sexual assault in our own community where yeah. if it happens to us by a black man we're more likely to keep it quiet when it comes to someone as big and powerful as harvey weinstein 
we'll speak up. Yeah. That motherfucker has money. And like, we might want a little bit of it for our hardship. So we might go to our system right. and be like, yo, this is what happened with this guy, Harvey Weinstein. That person tells this person, that person tells, tells another that person. person. Like there's power in gossip. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. For people that can't secure legal representation, like there's power in mm-hmm. the fact that we can at least like share our stories among ourselves yes. because it will come out somehow some way yes i wonder then if he maybe if he had molested the majority of the women if they were african American, this would have blown up like way sooner (laughs) (laughs) way sooner than (laughs) not at all Uh, i firmly believe that if he had assaulted more black women no yeah this would not have gone on i agree i'm just i'm just saying i'm just saying the fact he's not a man of color he is a rich white man yeah therefore it's easier to spring into action and outrage when we're not facing putting our own in jail absolutely that's super easy yeah right why not let's go for it (laughs) (laughs) that sounds so terrible Uh, but but it's true i think there's there's truth in that uh I yeah I mean this this whole I it I think regardless we're talking about you know how each of our own race would deal with it I still think it's a great thing that's happening I think it's about yeah. fucking time mm-hmm. um and hopefully it'll just be getting better and 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 people will just realize that this is not something they could do just can't do that <laughs> we well one would one would hope but it sort of seems like every day there's a new person coming out talking and about i mean did you hear about that oh sorry I cut no, you off, oh, no, but go for it. the whole silicon valley sexual harassment too that one's huge oh, yes. about yeah. all of them coming out mm-hmm. and talking if there's a what i that one asian woman i don't know who she was a junior partner as one of the firms there i don't remember but she wrote an article about being uh sexually harassed for uh many many years and um and she she spoke up about it uh, yeah anyways i think that this i think within our own individual communities we have to step up and take action uh by being vocal and i think that it sounds like in in the asian community it sounds like part of having to be more vocal is first have a, having to maybe separate the the cultural implications that coming forward and saying something would have versus the personal closure and personal healing that one would hopefully go through go through by saying something because yeah. secrets keep you sick i mean they say they that in do. rehab not that i've been rehab but they secrets do. keep you sick they do and especially well if you if you've been violated that's a whole different type of feeling you know right. your physical your body your soul everything yeah it makes me wonder what Asian women in Korea and Japan and China, what they go through makes me really sad because I know for me that wouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. I would have a hopefully a healthy recovery to heal and to accept and to love myself. Right. But the culture is embedded with a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. And I think, like you said, those women that were molested by Harvey Weinstein were young when that happened Mm -hmm. and they came to terms with it and finally spoke up 10, 15 years later. And I, I I hope that that's not the case for many young women. And sometimes it is, but for Asian women and specifically it's, it's a lot more complex than, than just a more open, like you said, like in the black community, the run and tell that, you know, with us, it's, it's be quiet and, and don't, don't bring shame upon the family. Yeah. Because if I get raped, then 
it looks my mom looks bad my dad looks bad my brother looks bad the family name looks bad that's so insane to me it's not about me like you said that is so crazy to me right because when it happened to me my parents were like okay we're gonna take care of this but there was never a moment where my parents were like oh god we can't talk about this Mm -hmm. because it makes us look bad like i just think that is so insane Mm -hmm. to me and i'm not saying today modern in today's modern world that that's that's still there or that's the only way but that exists Mm -hmm. i do think that it is changing and it will change and it will be better but i still think because it's the culture is so embedded in that stuff that that still exists and that's still part of you know that's still part of her mind right she'll go my family's not gonna you know this is gonna bring shame upon the family Mm -hmm. and uh, i hope that that's not the case anymore but i that's for sure still there a little bit i'm sure definitely well this is part one of what now we have decided this is going to be a two-part <laughs> podcast because there's just too much to cram into 50 minutes. Um, so we're going to go ahead and end it here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please be sure to tune in next week for the part two, for the, part two the continuation of this episode. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, you know, go ahead and follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. at Black and Yellow Podcast or on Twitter at Black and Yellow.